Good to see you. My name is Matt Morgan. I get to be the lead pastor, and I want to welcome all of you here in the auditorium and all of you online. We're so glad that you're with us. We exist to help all people build a life-giving relationship with Jesus. That's why we're here. And we do it in four ways. It goes with our name to love God, invest in others, faithfully serve, and encourage the world. And so as we look at scripture and we say, okay, God, what do you want us to be? What do you want us to do? We see those four things over and over and over. So everything we do is wrapped around these four things. We have a huge Encourage the World event at the end of this month. It is one of our biggest events of the year. It's called Trunk or Treat. Uh, it's just awesome. Families are looking for safe places to take their kids on Halloween. And so we provide one. We have tons of candy here, lots of fun, lots of stuff going. You can get involved. We've had people come to our church because of the Trunk or Treat event. We've had people come to know Christ because of the Trunk or Treat event. We've had even seen people get baptized after they started coming to church and have come to Christ because people served. And if you want to get involved in something that's going to change someone's life, this is one of them. So uh, get plugged in. You can get information out in the lobby. You probably see people that are out and decorated that way. Why are they dressed up? It's because of trunk or treat. And so that's what's going on. Uh, I wanted to also just let you guys know uh, that as we move through this series, we're really looking at how we encourage people to know Jesus. As Christians, we believe that we should be the light to the world. We believe that we should be hope to the world. And so we really look at this very seriously in everything that we do. And we're in this series right now called The Floor is Lava. And if you've been in a conversation this year and you've like, okay, you're kind of just talking and all of a sudden the conversation gets tense and all of a sudden the conversation gets a little bit heated and you like you realize i think i just said something that maybe made this person not feel so comfortable and now like we're both feeling uncomfortable and this thing is getting hotter and hotter by the second you've experienced what i'm talking about the floor becomes lava just like when you're a little kid you play the game you know don't step in the lava that it's kind of like that today we have all of these different subject matters and what society is saying today is that, listen, if we disagree, then we can't be friends. If we disagree on anything, then, then we're just going to be opposed to each other. We're not going to be there for each other. We're going to be mad at each other. And I believe that we don't have to be that way. I really believe with all of my heart that we could be people who could be friends with people who believe things that are different than what we believe. Now, when I say we, I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about us as individuals, Okay. We can be friends with people who believe things that are different than us. They think things that are different than us. They do things that are different than us, and they would do them that way happily. In fact, it could be a part of any part of life, including faith. And Jesus calls us to be a friend. And I really feel like right now, more than ever before, we need to elevate this value of love, and grace and acceptance that there would be a tolerance for another human being in their thoughts and what they think because Jesus has called us to stand in the middle and reconcile people to God. In fact, when we started this, this series, the first message that we did was that we would be the monkey in the middle, that we are called to be reconcilers. 2 Corinthians 5 says, for, we, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. 
So we set up a big game in here the first week, and, and th this side had a, a, a certain color of, of balls to throw, and this side had another color, and they were their opinions, and they would throw them at each other. You ever feel like that's what's going on? And then we put people in the middle, and they were the monkey in the middle, and they were to catch the ball and receive it and like try to bring the two things together. It was called monkey in the middle, and I remember as a kid playing you know, on the playground that whole idea of keep away, and I hated being in the middle. I love being on the two sides because you have the ball and you're trying to keep it away. But when you're in the middle, they would always mock you. You ever notice that? I think that's why Christians have such a hard time being in the middle. Because you will get mocked. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Like you should expect this, but at the same time, the Bible says that we're supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That's in the face of this. And we should be comfortable with that. We should be okay with that. That people have differing opinions and I can still love and care for people even if they disagree with me. Last week, we talked about there's a, a dormant volcano that is like lying inside of us, and it's just ready to erupt, and it's happening all over the place, and we talked about how if we could control our emotions and manage our emotions well, that it would foster an environment for others to manage their emotions well, and I mean, everybody would go, I would like it if other people would manage their emotions better around me, right? Well, how does that happen? if I will manage mine. And so one of, the, one of the skills I talked about last week was this idea of you could hold. If you missed the message, you'll just have to check it out later. Hold. When you get in one of these conversations, don't take the bait. Step back, hold your emotion, and just throttle it down. Hold. Just, just wait. It, the reality is this. We're under all of this stress society is today. It's just under stress because of COVID, under stress because of economics, under stress because of what happened in the election and all the different stuff. It's just, it's this, if you were to picture a rubber band, right? The rubber band's already stretched. And it doesn't take much to just go twing and the thing breaks. And so people are under this amount of stress and we need to realize that we're under it too. And not only are we managing the, the stress of society, we're managing our own personal lives. So when you run into somebody who's not only dealing with all the underlying current of stress, they also have a huge amount of stress on their plate themselves. Now you're talking about something that's very, very volatile. I love in 2 Timothy, the Bible says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Anybody here doing one of those this year? A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. So it's not to be just patient with people who are easy, it's to be patient with people who are difficult, that this is actually possible. Here's the deal. There's this volcano in us too. And it's like the toothpaste, you know, when you squeeze the tube, what does it do? It comes out. We're all getting squeezed. And we need to be careful and take a step back. I left last week with this idea, and I don't know if any of you did it, I don't know if you're, you're willing to even try it, but King David, in Psalm 139, he prayed a prayer that I think is one of the most boldest prayers I can find in the Bible. And I invited all of us to do the same this week. And so Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Now we already know God knows our heart. It says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We also looked at the passage of scriptures as the heart is deceitful. Who knows how wicked it really is that we can deceive ourselves. And so David knows that and he prays this prayer and he says, God, will you test me? And God, will you look at my heart and then point out what I'm not seeing? There's this blind spots in me. And so I invited all of us to take this journey of like, okay, God, would you show me me? And if you'll do that, you could literally, I've been praying this prayer for about 15 years and God has been helping me grow and manage my own emotions better, which helps other people manage their emotions around me a lot better. And so that was the last two weeks. Today, we're going to do something very practical. And I've entitled the message, I want to, I want to stay with the whole idea of the, the law of a thing. And so I've entitled the message, Seismic Activity. <laughs> do you know what a seismometer is? A seismometer is what they literally put, like, I don't know how they put it. It, it monitors what's under the ground by a volcano. And it can tell you these, these tremors that are happening, and they can predict the probability of this thing erupting. And, and you know, what, what causes us to erupt? And, and is there a seismometer that we could put in our heart and say, okay, could I start to detect some of this stuff? And where are these tremors coming from? And could I avert some of this junk that's coming into myself? I want to start today with this question. What moves the human heart to erupt? I kind of ended there last week. What moves the human heart to just finally... F-E-A-R. It's fear. Fear causes us to become very, very like linear focus. Just focus on one thing at a time and you can literally become irrational with fear. You can overreact with fear. Fear causes us to do all kinds of things. Now, people have asked me, I don't know if you've had friends ask you this, but I've had a lot of different people ask me, you know, as a pastor, they find out I'm a pastor and they say, well, why in the world does the Bible say the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom? Why does God want us to fear him if he's a God of love? Why would you be afraid of God? But yet Jesus says in Matthew 10, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God. Okay, let's just stop right there. He says, fear only God. Wouldn't it be nice to only have one? So fear any of this other stuff. It says, fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. They, like, listen, it's not just about here. There is an eternity ahead of us, okay? So make sure you keep that in mind. In, in hell, what is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it? God knows what's going on. Now look what he says about you. And the very, in, without knowing, and the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Whatever is going on in your life right now, God's not surprised. God knows it, and he's got a plan for you. And the Bible is so amazingly, you know, illuminating. When you go, okay, if all I'm concerned with is being close to God, because he's all-powerful, all my other fears just fade into the distance because that's all that matters. 
Is it God who is in control? God who loves me? God who like values me more than anything else? He's got me. So I'm just going to stay aligned under him. Fear is talked about in the Bible over and over and over. Joshua, before he's going to lead the, the Israelites into the promised land, what does God say to him? Be strong and courageous. Tells him more than once. Jesus in Matthew chapter 14 tells his disciples, take courage. Okay, you're supposed to like go after it. Take courage. In the book of Acts, Peter and John, remember when they go and they're going to go pray at the temple and there's the lame guy that's at the temple gate. He's always been there. And he says, hey, give me some money. And they say, we don't have any money. But you know what we can do is, is you can be healed in the name of Jesus. The guy like goes just crazy walking and leaping and praising God into the temple and they get thrown in jail. And as they're in jail, they get beaten and they threaten them. If you talk about Jesus anymore, we're going to do this again and you're going back to jail. So when they get out of jail, guess what they do? They get together with all the believers. You know what they all prayed for? Lord, give us courage to be able to speak your word and to talk about Jesus. In fact, the number one apostolic prayer in the book of Acts is to give us courage. Why would God tell Joshua, be strong and courageous? Jesus tells his disciples, take courage. And the disciples all pray for courage over and over. Why? Because they are afraid. So what are we afraid of? What's going on in life right now, in your life, that you have fear happening inside of you? Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I see so much information because people send it to me all the time. A lot of Christian information that's out there right now is all fear-based. The end is coming. It's doom and gloom. And uh, I mean, you better do something. You better, you gotta. Yeah, it's, it, it's all fear-based. Here's a deal. God doesn't promise us a carefree life. There's nowhere in Scripture that says you have a carefree life. I think one of the reasons why we're so captivated by fear you know, scary movies, the news. <laughs> and we'll get there in a minute. Like, because we know it's a huge thing in life. Do you know that it's proven that people will spend more time, more money, and more effort to preserve something that they have so that they don't lose it than they will to risk getting something that they could have? That's kind of interesting to me. I think it's very interesting that people will spend more money to store things in a storage container than the things in the container are worth. They're that afraid of losing what they have. When I was in college, I worked at a place called Silo. I sold audio video equipment. And they would always put on the weekend, they'd put a, a loss, it's called a loss leader ad, right? And they would sell these VCRs for $199 and they would pay us a dollar. It would take me about 20 minutes to sell one of these to make a dollar. I'm like, I don't wanna do this because it was a commission thing. I, don't, I hate these ads. But they had an extended warranty. Guess how much a five-year extended warranty costs on a $199 VCR? $199. Uh-huh, and people would buy it. Why? They're afraid their $199 VCR might break. Well, just buy another one, people. What is go People are, listen, our fears, they take us, and they take us for a ride. 
Do you know who knows this more than anybody else? Advertisers. Advertisers. They know that we are easily frightened, and when we're frightened, we'll spend money, we'll spend it irrationally, we'll spend time, we'll do it in great haste. Why? Because we're afraid. Do you know that the news is a pretty lucrative business? Do you know how lucrative it is? Do you know how the news makes their money? Advertisers. Do you know that CNN is worth $6.1 billion? I looked it up this week. Oh, you might go, that's a lot of money. Well, actually, Fox News is worth $11.4 billion. Did you know that? But their chump change, because YouTube is worth $160 billion. Do you know that YouTube will pay you $7,500 if you can get 1 million views? It could even be someone popping a zit. If you can get it to be viewed a million times, they will pay you because advertisers will pay them to be able to advertise on your little thing. Do you know that people are creating YouTube stuff all the time just to make money? You might go, wow, YouTube, that's a big deal. Man, wow. Facebook? $938.8 billion. That's how much Facebook is worth. Facebook pays between $1 and $5, depends on where you live in the world, per 1,000 impressions. I don't know what an impression is, but they will give you $1 to $5 for 1,000 impressions. Do you know how these guys are growing their base of views? fear. They want to keep you watching. The longer you watch, the more money they make. So what's the problem? They're no longer giving information. They're just trying to keep your attention. And you're getting more and more frightened all the time. And we're hooked to this stuff. Where are you getting your information from? Where do you get this, 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 this stuff that's filling your heart and making you feel so riled up? Is it from these people who are preying upon your fears? You know what's amazing is these, these businesses are becoming just out of control wealth-wise. And you know, Americans are becoming more and more fearful. $42 billion a year is spent on anxiety disorders in the U.S. every year. Now, I, I'm fine. If you do this, I'm fine with it, but I don't get it. People can't live without a pet. It comforts them. They can't even go to Home Depot without their pet. Why? Because they're just, they're on an edge. Why is America so on edge? I'm not, I'm not against pets. I'm just like, I don't understand this whole thing. Why are we so frightened? I couldn't find actual data on this, but over the last 19 months on every website, I couldn't get actual statistics, but every one of them I went to has says that, that anxiety and all of the depression factors are going through the roof in the United States. Alcohol and drug abuse is going up all through COVID. We have to realize that anybody who has a smartphone can create the news. 
anybody. It's easy. Facebook, YouTube, it's not good information. Even the news, national news, is not always good information. People are creating content to gain views which get them money. Bad news. Like, like you know, they used to because it's fake news. I'm just going to call it bad news. It's huge profit. Philippians 4 says this about how we should think and what we should think about. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. How does the God of peace come with you? If you fix your thoughts. You get to control what goes into this. You get to control what you think about over and over and over. And information is incredibly important. Am I saying that don't watch the news ever? I'm not. Am I saying that it's all a bunch of junk? I'm not saying that either. See, the, the problem isn't the information. The problem is how can we discern information with wisdom and efficiency? We live in the information age. There's all kinds of information that's out there. So you've got to be able to like discern it and then do it with efficiency and go, okay, what's really, what should I listen to and what should I listen to? And, and the reality is I can find something to prove or disprove just about anything on the internet. Coffee's good for you. Coffee's bad for you. Look it up. You can find both of it. Like, it's crazy. You can find that wearing a mask is the healthiest thing that you can do to stop the spread of COVID. You can find that wearing a mask is not, it doesn't do any good to stop COVID, and it just hurts you as a person. You can find both sides, and the reality is those things are screaming at people, and people want to know what we're going to do. The vaccine is safe. The vaccine is not safe. So with all of this information that's available at the palm of our hand, how do you discern what voices to listen to? I want to give you some suggestions on how to discern. How do you start to filter information? Because there is information even in the midst of all of the junk. So how do you discern it? First, search for the truth on all sides of an issue. You must listen to both sides. You might go, well, what do you mean by sides? There's two dominant sides, if you haven't noticed. There's a conservative side, and there's a liberal side. And the conservative has an agenda, and the liberal has an agenda. And their agenda is to be in power and make money. That's their agenda. And they do whatever they can, either side, to be able to keep your attention. And so they have this agenda. You, you really have to hear both sides. And what people will do, they'll go, well, I am listening to both sides. Actually, when I listen to people, they're not. They're listening to their side talk bad about the other side. And they think they have the other side's information. Even in our computer, if you were to do a search on your computer, your personal computer for information, did you know that your computer already knows what you like? Now, they, they, some people call this big brother effect. There is no big brother. There is nobody watching you. Like, there's not a person in the room going, what's Matt Morgan doing? I'm too boring for them to watch, okay? Unless you're a criminal, there isn't somebody watching you. But there are algorithms watching you in a computer program. They're algorithms. And what they do is they monitor what you click on and what you do. Your computer knows if you're a liberal or a conservative. It knows that if you're looking for something, 
Let's say you have two people, they're sitting in, on their laptop computers and they do a search for information about whatever, same search. This one's a conservative, this one is a liberal. This one's gonna get different news information than this one. Why? Because their computer knows what they wanna do. And you know what, wanna know why? Because they wanna keep you watching. Because the longer you watch, the more money they can make. That's how it works. And so you really have to search information. Like, there's so many people, if they're conservative, they only watch Fox News. Watch CNN for a little while. I know it'll make you mad and you'll yell at your TV, but watch it. If you're liberal and you don't want to, like, watch the Fox News things, just go watch Fox News for a little while. Why? It will give you a picture of what other people think. So listen to both sides. You might go, well, what do I do if I want to do a search on a computer? Go to the library because it's a neutral computer. Seriously, just listen to both sides. Second, if the information you receive is laced with undertones or overt opinions of another side, it's pushing an agenda, not giving information. Okay, so when I get stuff and, and, and someone sends me something and I watch something and the predominant message is they're dirtbags, it's not good information. It's horrible information. Because that's, that's just, and, and everybody wants their side to win. So if you're on this side of the thing and you're like going, and they're talking bad about that side, you're like, yeah, this is great, we're right and they're wrong. You can notice information, whether it's information or whether it's propaganda, just by how they present it. Second Timothy 4.3 says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Boy, do we live there today. We just want to hear what we want to hear rather than hear what might be something that's a different view. Third, if the information you receive makes you angry at other people, it's incredibly biased towards one side. I've heard so many good people talk so bad about other people. And it's because the, the stuff that's coming in is, well, they're bad. They're evil. They're trying to take from you. They, 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 they. And, and what we get is this us versus them mentality. And Jesus has not called Christians to be on one side or the other. We're the monkey in the middle. We're the ones that take people who don't know God and we say, now you can know God, be reconciled to God, and we're the reconcilers that actually breathe about that, that possibility. You can't do that if you're taking a side. So if you're getting angrier and anger, Proverbs 16 says, scoundrels. Politicians and news. Sorry. Um, uh, they create trouble. Scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Violent people mislead their companions, leading them down a harmful path. I've talked to some really... Have you ever, like, you're talking to somebody and you're like going, I know this person. They're smarter than this. This person, I, they're very wise, but you get them talking about this one subject and they say the most irrational things. 
What's sad to me is I've, I've had some seniors come. They're, they're literally convinced that they're going to get marched off to a concentration camp if they don't get a vaccine. It's not going to happen in the United States. That's bad news. It's really bad, horrible news. And they're scared. They're sitting trapped in their living room and they're watching this garbage over and over and over. And I just want to say, don't listen to it. Turn it off. It's easy to recognize it. They're making another thing. They're going to march you off to the country. That's why they're in power. That's what they want. No. Fourth, if the information you receive creates a hero versus a villain mentality, we're the hero. Put us in power. And they're the villain. Jesus is the hero. He's the hero. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. And we don't need to get ourselves pitted against one another. Proverbs 4.23, this is your verse for the week. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. If we don't guard what's coming, you, you, don't go, you know how it gets into here? Right here and right here. It fills this. So guard it. Am I saying don't get information? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be discerning. Guard what's going in here. It's time that we spend more time in the good news rather than the fake news or the bad news. It's time that we spend more time reading the Bible than we do on Facebook. MIT did a study. The average American spends 23.6 hours per week online. That's a part-time job. When people tell me they don't have time, I say, bull, look at your screen time. The average American, 23.6. In 2019, the Wall Street Journal reported that Americans spend just over 2.8 hours a day watching TV. We have plenty of time. What are we filling our hearts with? Crossway published this. The this, this Crossway is a website you can go to. It's, it, it does Bible stuff. They, they, they did a study on how, how fast the average adult reader reads. And then they went and said, okay, how long would it take you to read every book in the Bible? So you can look up and it'll tell you like, okay, it'll take you, you know, this long to read the book of Job and this long to read the book of Psalms, this long to read the book of Matthew. If you times all of it, guess how much time it will take you a day to read the Bible in a year? 12 minutes a day. You spent 12 minutes a day reading the Bible. As an average adult reader, you will read the Bible in a year. The whole thing. Do you spend 12 minutes a day in your Bible? Here's why you should. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Boy, does it cut through the junk cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Matthew 4, Jesus told him, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I got to tell you, if you want your heart to be revived, if you want your heart to come alive, do something practical. Turn off the screens. Open the word. 
I don't want to guilt you into it. I want to tell you this. If you will, your heart will begin to be filled up. No guilt, no shame. Just feed your heart this week. In fact, we have a Bible study for you this week. It's on our church app. It's on our Facebook page. And you can start. Because you might go, I don't know where to start. We're going to get you started. In fact, I think we're going to probably just add this into our repertoire as a church. Here's where you can start this week. I'm going to pray for you. And I pray that the Lord helps you discern information because you need it. We need information. I'm not down in information. We need it, but we must discern it. Let's pray for wisdom. Father, I pray you'd give us wisdom. I pray, Father, you'd help us to see what we really should hear and and listen to and then see and hear what we're not. And Lord, that we would really listen to you. I pray this week as we open up your word, it would speak to us like never before, that it would just feed us. Even if we've read the Bible 50 times in our life already, let's read it again. God, fill our hearts, I pray. And God, encourage your people. In Jesus' name.